call Klondike 7121. Wait, that's not even the right number. So there's a one there. Yeah. Yeah. Typo, everybody. <laughs> Why do, do that again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I, it's so simple and so stupid. <laughs> Welcome to I Used to Know. I'm Scott. And I'm Steve. We are your hosts for this adventure into the past. Where we dive into things we used to know when we were kids that are no, no longer, longer true. true. So, Steve. Yeah, Scott. I was basically trying to call my daughter the other day. I picked up my phone. I looked at it and realized I have no idea what her phone number is. Oh, I've had that same exact feeling. Not even a feeling. It's just more of... Of a, of, of a disappointment that there are things that I used to take for granted, like knowing everybody's phone number when I was little. Yeah, I mean, if you just dropped me in front of a payphone, which probably most people don't even know what that is anymore, I would have absolutely no idea how to contact 90% of my family. I wouldn't either. I go uh, by contacts. But the funny part is, I think I could contact like all my friends growing up. Oh, definitely. I remember all the phone numbers from growing up. I remember your phone number growing up. All right. Don't, don't put <clears> it out over the air. But... <laughs> But I remember, I remember all those numbers, but I can, I don't even think about them anymore. Yep. I remember my old house phone number growing up as a little kid. Now, if I had some people at work, if I needed to call my aunt, I have no idea. It has yep. to be on the, on the contacts. Yeah, yeah. Basically, if it's not on the cell phone contacts, <laughs> they're never going to hear from me. And, and quite frankly, we hardly even talk anymore these days, right? Everything's text, text, text. Yep. So. But that brings us to an interesting thing to think about, which is... How did is, all this happen? Yeah. I mean, we used to know phone numbers, and we don't know any phone numbers anymore. Well, not anything useful. <laughs> no. You know, maybe, you know, what is it? 8777 uh, car for kids or something. That's about the only thing oh. I remember. I know that song will be stuck it's in our head forever. Be in my head all night. Exactly. You did that on purpose. I did. So, <laughs> and you know how this all started, right? Uh, take me back. How did it start? I'm going to take you to the Wayback Machine. The Wayback Machine. I love this. Yes. Yes. We're going all the way back to the Telegraph. Wait, the Telegraph? That doesn't make any sense. It, well, telegraph didn't have any numbers, Scott. Well, it did. It was like deep, 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 or whatever Those are it letters. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there were numbers in there, too. Okay, that's true. But, yeah, no, the Telegraph, if you think about it as an electronic device. Okay. It needed to, you had a person that needed to start a message and get it to some other person somehow. That's right. There's you got one guy at the one end of the line and one guy at the other end of the line. Sort of. There were actually multiple people in between. So think of it as almost, uh, the, it was the first time you needed, if you were going to try to communicate to someone from California to New York, you, you literally had to go through a whole bunch of people that were going to read your message you didn't know how the person on the end was going to get it. So you had to address it almost like a, a letter. You had to say who it was from, who it was to, and what city and address it had to go to. Okay. And that was kind of like the beginning of phone numbers in a way because it was the first time we were using electronic mechanisms to transmit location information about where a message had to go. All right, I see what you're saying. So now this poor telegraph operator in California who needs to send the message to New York doesn't have a connection to New York. Has a connection to... I don't know, Amarillo. Amarillo. So, taps out some kind of a message to Amarillo. That says, this has got to make it to New York. But, but then it's just 
out of California's hands. And it's in Amarillo's hands. Wow. And then... This is like crowdsourcing a message. Yeah, this is that game of telephone you played in kindergarten where someone would give a message and then whisper it. And that's how messages would cross the country over telegraphs is basically it would just go from one telegraph operator who had a connection to like, you know, St. Louis to Chicago to... Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Columbus, Ohio, making its way to New York. Just like that, like five, six, seven different times. Messages must have gotten messed up I'm, all I'm, the time. I'm sure. Can you imagine? They did when we did this in second grade as the telephone game. Yeah. It never worked out. Never worked out. Yeah. Although I suspect a lot of these guys were professionals in writing things down, unlike we were as kids. But <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I did intentionally mess up a couple telephone games. But and it wasn't until uh, it really wasn't until nineteen or eighteen sixty one where the first transcontinental telegraph line was actually created so that you could go from one coast to the other without a whole bunch of people in between. But again, the idea is you needed to always encode your message with who's it from, who's it to, and then make an address much like a letter, which is kind of like the number for the telegraph. Okay. Right, I got you. I see what you're saying. But but then we had a uh, we had our good friend, our s'mores friend, you might say. Our uh, s'mores friend. Yeah, that was a terrible pun. Alexander Graham Bell. Uh, Sorry. Oh my. I had to. Sorry. I didn't even see that one coming. Yes. So our s'more oh. friend in 1867. <laughs> yes. Made the really the first phone call, right? Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah, I remember. It's it's, it's historic. Can I say the can I say the line? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. All right. So picture this is it's March 1876, and Alexander Graham Bell with almost like casual authority, says, Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you. And those words were the first words transmitted over the telephone line. History in the making. Yeah. And the second one was probably like, uh, can I have a pizza with <laughs> extra cheese? And you know what's special about that phone call? Hmm. No number. Yeah, go shocker, because there were two phones. It was just it. On the planet Earth. That's right. It was, it was just going from one end to the other. Didn't have to worry about a phone number. There you go. This began the new age of, I guess, phones. So now phones are this idea of being able to voice communicate is starting to make its way around. Oh yeah. If I had the if I was living back then and there was this special device where I could magically transmit my voice to some friend of mine uh, across town, let me have it. There weren't computers. There were barely any really mechanical switches of any sort. I mean that this was this is the really the early days of harnessing electricity to do anything for you, just barely past the you know, telegraph. In fact, the telegraph is still in its heyday right now during this time. And so how would you get these phone calls together to from one place to another? You, you literally need to connect the wires. Physically just plug them in. Plug them in, yeah. right? And so you had uh, an operator that you would talk to and say... I need to connect to Bobby, who has the barn. Mm-hmm. And they would connect you if they had a phone to Bobby, who had the barn. Because they would know everybody in town. And they I, would know which connection to make. Exactly. And then it wasn't until more and more people got telephones. And instead of having 30 phones in a town, they had a couple hundred phones into a town. Until there were a couple thousand phones in a town. Now, all of a sudden, you needed to know at least a four-digit number to tell the, the operator how to connect you to 
you know, the person. Exactly. So, but, but this actually started expanding pretty quickly. So in 1878, New Haven, Connecticut had 50 individuals and businesses that had phones. 50 whole individuals. Yeah, absolutely. 50. And it was just so hard to understand and how to reach all 50 and remember them that they actually created a piece of cardboard <laughs> and they wrote all the numbers down, that was all the ways to contact people. The, the cardboard sheet of numbers. Okay. Yep. Which would end up being our first phone directory or phone book, phone you might say. Book was from 1878 in New Haven, Connecticut. Humble beginnings. Yeah. In fact, in 1879, it was that was when Alexander Graham Bell's friend, Dr. Moses Greasley Parker from Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah, there the town had a uh, they were suffering measles. Like an epidemic of measles was going through. And the doctor said, "Look, if if the operators get ill, what are we going to do? We can't call for help. We can't call for anyone. No, you can't talk to each other. So we need to come up with a way that somebody who doesn't know what they're doing necessarily can come in and help. So it was between 78 and 79 that this concept of numbers and numbering systems started really kind of taking off. And so in 1890, phones had a four to five digit number, depending if you were in a rural area or a city. Yeah, if you're a city, five digit number, more people. Yeah. And then you would give the operator the number, and then they did those, you know, if you've ever seen the old-fashioned, like, you know, pull out the cords and start connecting everything in, because switching was all a manual effort. You had to know which plug went into where. But then that brings us to 1892. Almond Brown Strouger. Almond Brown Strouger. What what did he do? He made the rotary dial. Oh, I know this thing, the rotary dial, yes. And so this was the beginning of trying to automate a little more of that connection process. So you no longer had to pick up a phone and talk to get a number done. You would be able to start using automatic switches. So this thing was called pulse dialing. So again, a rotary dial, if you don't know it, it's a circle. Um, numbers go from one to z- one to nine and then zero right. for the operator. Zero would be the longest distance you'd have to twist your finger around because uh, they would go around the dial. doing the zero. <clears throat> So you'd have to put in, you know, your finger in the hole, which would be over that number, and then you would dial it to the right, and then you would have to do that for each single number around the dial. And you hit like a stopper every time you come to the end of the dial. Exactly. And so one had the shortest distance, zero had the longest distance, and you had to wait for the dial to come back. And when that dial came back, it did this thing called pulse dialing, which literally was this... uh, local loop circuit that was rapidly connecting and disconnecting. Yep. And that was the way to tell the switch what number you were actually trying to reach. So based on, you know, how many times that thing would click or disconnect and reconnect between the numbers, that's how it knew that was a zero. This is a seven. This is a a whatever. Like a counter. Yeah. Um, And that's in 1892 now. So that's when these rotary dials started coming in. Again, they're still not this is when they were invented, right? right so right. They're, they're not big and wide, wide out there yet. And they're going to be around for a long time. But we're, we're bringing the telephone out of kind of the, the dark ages of just being invented to being a manual system. Now it is a digital system, an electronic system. We have switches, popularity of 
telephone service is growing and growing and growing. More and more people are getting telephones. So now it's like 1910. If we're in America in 1910, there are 7 million phones in the country. And that dwarfs any other country at that time. I think Russia had something close to 150,000. We had 7 million phones in America. So you could try to call somebody. You'd have to get with the operator and say, I don't want to call someone in my city. I'm going to call a different city. Give the number for that city. And then it would go through the switch system. Right. So, but, but that's what's the interesting part is you could dial with this rotary or you could dial something local. But if you wanted to talk, if you're from Chicago and you really wanted to talk to New York City, you had to get to the operator and say, operator, I want to talk to New York City. And, <laughs> and I want number 2223 or something. That would be a long-distance phone call, and that, you would pay through the nose. Exactly. But, I mean, with inflation, right? What was that? Of course. Probably? It was probably like you know, a quarter. A quarter. <laughs> but that was insanity back then. So, <laughs> And that gets us to the 1930s. 1930s. The operators start to become less popular. Yeah, you still need away. them for very long numbers, you know, long-distance numbers. Mm-hmm. But now you can do more direct dialing across the United States. And now numbers are getting longer, right? If we've got 7 million phones in 1910, by the 1930s, phones everywhere, a typical phone number is now about seven digits long. That's a lot of numbers to remember. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, back then, people were not really, you know, they had to remember these numbers, and you had to remember everything. If you wanted to talk to someone, you had to remember all the numbers. So they came up with a trick. And pretty pretty cool trick too. Yes, they uh, mnemonics where they remember you use words to kind of remember some of the numbers. Which to this day, if you look at your phone and you look at the numbers, you'll see letters with the numbers there are letters A B in there. C D E F. You know, and the reason why you see these number these letters with your phone is so that you could. Nowadays, people think it's fun to come up with cool phrases, you know, you know, 1-800-MATTRESS or something. But, <laughs> but back then, the letters were there to really help you remember what you were trying to dial. That makes sense, right? Because instead of trying to remember all these numbers, I can just remember a word. And then it's simple. Exactly. So we have an example here of, as a, as a good example, if we had a phone number 556... Seven oh two one. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Five, five. So this is JKL, are the fives. Okay. And the six is, uh, it could be O. So KLO. KLO is five, five, six. Right. But, you know, that's not a word. It's not a clue. <laughs> but Klondike is a word. So Klondike. I could say, if I needed to call five, five, six, seven, oh, two, one, I could just say, dial Klondike seven, oh, two, one. And it's simple for me, and it makes me feel like I'm an old-timey 1930s guy. That's right, which if we just kind of take a little forward look, in 1940, a famous song came out that actually reminds us of that time that you may have heard, and that's the old Pennsylvania 6, 5,000. Oh, yeah, I love this song. That's an old one. Yes, which, uh, you know, Glenn Miller uh, did that, and it that was actually a real phone number, Pennsylvania 6, 5,000, where the P.E., was the first digits for Pennsylvania, then six, and then 5,000, which in case you didn't know, which I didn't until I looked it up, uh, (laughs) it's the Hotel Pennsylvania's Cafe Rouge, uh, which is in New York City. 
and big bands were playing there all the time, and that was their phone number, Pennsylvania 65000. Oh, that's, that's mind-blowing. And that's why they called... Uh, that's why the song has that. I just thought it was like a catchy song, but it was actually it was a phone number that they would have to call up for their gigs. For their gigs, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or or I guess maybe to have people make reservations to go see someone. So it was like I'm maybe advertising too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You want to see me? Well, call Pennsylvania Radio 6, 5, 000. 000. So. And I also thought what was interesting is during that time between the 30s and the 40s where Pennsylvania 6, 5,000 came out, two interesting things occurred during the phone world, and that is... 34, creation of the Federal Communication Commission, or the FCC, that began to finally regulate this thing as a national thing. Up until that point, it was really all part of interstate commerce. Okay. And it was all part of the Federal Radio Commission was the beginning of the FCC, but then landlines and cable connections and all that stuff all were folded up underneath it. So they began to regulate this, which which is important because now we're trying to figure out how do we automate the mechanisms by which we talk between states, between big cities, between states. And, and I also thought that was also interesting. In 1938, a company, a little company, known as um, AT&T. AT&T, I know AT&T. They came up with a, they had to actually come up with a brand new font. Wait, why are we talking about fonts? This I know, phones. it's phones. but And I think it's kind of funny that they created this font called Bell Gothic. Okay. And the whole point of it was because they couldn't print the printing, the way you would print paper, yeah. like phone numbers, little tiny print on paper, was would smear often or kind of be hard to see the numbers. Okay. So yeah. they carry, had to create a brand new font so that they could type phone books. Oh, just so, so that was, you could read the numbers really tiny in phone books. So this font had a utility. It was so that yes, and it and it lasted forever during the last. Bell Gothic. That's where that Bell came Gothic. from. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm learning so much through this podcast. So now, one of the funny things that was we've been talking about these phones and people calling each other in different areas. One topic we really didn't talk about is that not everyone had their own phone line. Really? Okay, so not everybody has a phone. That's what you mean. No, everybody has a phone, but not everyone has a phone line, like their own line. Oh, they're sharing lines. They have something called a party line. Part- that sounds fun. It does I until you know your neighbor hears everything you're talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you could have a couple homes that are all sharing a, a, like a little loop. So you could have two, three, four, five houses all sharing a loop that connects to the main switches. So if you wanted to use the phone, you would pick up the phone and your neighbor could be using it and you'd have to wait till they're done or use the phone. You can't use the phone at the same time. Well, you could. You could talk to the same person, but but you couldn't talk to somebody else. You had to wait till they were done. I get you. So you could be like, hey, you know, get off the phone. I want to make a call or, you know, but or you could maybe not even make you would just talk to your neighbor over the phone for free because you're all in the local loop. Right. And of course, your neighbor could be eavesdropping. And you would never know it. You wouldn't know. And it wouldn't. Yeah. Sneaky neighbors. Uh, exactly. So, oh. you know, and they, they didn't even have any wiretapping laws back then about that. So, <laughs> you got your your neighbor with the FBI jacket on, <laughs> listening in. Shush, Margaret. Trying to record it on an old wax record. <laughs> so, um, so in 1943, you know, party lines were the major thing out there, and mainly that was because after the war. Um, you know, people are coming back, they're building their houses in the burbs, they're trying to get phones. 
the phone system wasn't capable of supporting such a growth spurt. <laughs> Just like the school systems back then and everything, yeah. there was all these people were, you know, kids were being born and all these people were coming. The the, the infrastructure couldn't handle, couldn't handle it. So party lines weren't just because they were cheaper. They're necessary. They were in many cases was the only th- option you had. Wow. So party lines were the big thing. And and the funny thing about party lines is that although you know they quickly dwindled down to everybody getting their own line, the last party line was turned down in 1991. You're kidding me. 91? 1991 in Connecticut was the last party line. Connecticut. Yes. It wasn't like in some, some like small rural nope. Midwest town. It was Connecticut. Connecticut. Really? Yep. Wow. 91. But then also, you know, that was 43. Again, now everybody's getting their own lines. You have the FCC connecting, um, kind of regulating things right. nationally. Things are getting organized. They're trying to build up the infrastructure so everybody can have a line. Which now, of course, if you've got a three digit for a town and four digits for a person, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to call a city or a state. Oh, yeah. So more numbers. So more numbers. Oh, boy. And so that's when the three-digit area code in 1947, the concept of a three-digit area code started coming out, and AT&T was trying to tie everything together with it. All right, so now I've got... Three-digit area code, three-digit, you know, exchange, four-digit kind of like phone number. Ten numbers. Ten numbers. I did, and so now this Klondike trick isn't going to work as well. Right. All right. So in 1951, the first area code goes into play. Where and, was that? And that was the number we had growing up. Hey, 201. 201 in New Jersey. New Jersey. Which makes sense because if you know anything about the history of AT&T. Yep. They're based out of New Jersey. Yeah, they're based out of New Jersey. So New Jersey, Northern New Jersey, got the first area code of leading the charge in telecommunications. New Jersey, here we go. And so um, initially, they created like ninety codes, ninety area codes. And if you're ever wondering, I I didn't know this at first, but you know why you know New Jersey got two hundred one and New York City got two one two, but maybe Texas got nine one five or something like that. It had to do with rotary phones. Oh, really? Yeah, because they figured if you had a lot of population, okay. you needed to call each other. You know, if New a Jersey lot. needed to call to New York and you know, in, in LA or something. You got area code numbers that didn't require you to move your finger around that dial a lot. I see. It's so, like two zero one. Well, I guess zero is pretty long, but two zero one is not that long. Two one two, New York City. Yeah. Right, it's just real simple, just two, one, two. And it's also less of a load on all the switches because they're listening for all these clicks. Right. Okay. Exactly. So So there's a method to that. There was. Lower um, numbers. Bigger cities, higher numbers, and more rural areas that had less numbers that they were supporting. Wow. We are just in the 50s, and I've already learned three things I did not know. And in fact, in 1955... The American Telephone and Telegraph Company, AT&T, right? They created, finally, a big book of instructions about this. The Definitive Instruction for Operator Dialing. What? Yes, it was the National Numbering Plan. (laughs) Okay. And you can actually go find it. Go to your favorite Google machine and look it up. You can go for the National Numbering. It's still out there, you know, and they talk about all the different components of 
you know, exactly how you put the numbers together. You know, at one of the sections here, a primary requisite of national dialing is that each customer will be assigned a distinctive telephone number that does not conflict with the number of any other consumer in the United States and Canada. Well, that's just, that just makes, you know... That's, that's just a long-winded makes, saying of saying everybody needs their own number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So... I don't think I'm going to read this. I'm just going to assume that it exists out there. Yeah, it's a big document. <laughs> okay. Because they also describe all of the... Every exchange, everything, how that all works. So, because remember, operators are still around. Yep. They're still being used, especially for international calls. Now, another side note is, if you've noticed, every number we keep talking about doesn't start with one or zero. Oh, because that's international. We haven't gotten to international yet. Yeah, there's been all sorts of other uses for one, Mm -hmm. and zero has always been operator. Right. So you never started a number with one or zero. So when you're thinking about area codes or everything, these two numbers, you know, are kind of like not allowed. They're reserved. Mm -hmm. They're special reserved numbers for you. That makes sense. But that takes right. us to the 50s. All right. So now we're, we're late in, 50s. The, in the late 50s. And, um, and we've got area codes, and they're becoming big because um, uh, people are using these uh, new electronic phones. They don't need the operators um, to call cross-country. If you want to do a long-distance call, you can do that. And you don't really, in the late 50s, need an operator anymore. But people were not happy about this. People loved... Kind of like the, the folksy charm of getting to, you know, say, hey, operator, connect me to, uh, you know, Klondike 4352. And there were protests. There were groups. I there, love there, this. There, the Anti-Digit Dialing League. <laughs> I just love that. And they would, they, they, they came together and then they actually protested the switch to electronic dialing. Uh, there, there was somebody, there's some group called the Committee of 10 Million to oppose all number calling. It's still not as good as the Anti-Digit Dialing League. <laughs> I, I just love the ADDL. Uh, <laughs> a member of a card-carrying member of the ADDL. Oh my goodness. All right, so, but, you know, I could have, change is hard. I understand it. There are these newfangled telephones. You don't have your old operator that you can call. Uh, like the old days. But people change happens. Uh, so now that gets us into the uh, 1960s. And yeah. if you weren't happy with kind of electronic dialing using this rotary click switch system, hold on to your hats because boop, now boop. we've got push button telephones in the 60s. And these are done through touch tone. And by using multiple frequencies, it's actually officially called the dual tone multi-frequency DTMF. The DTMF. Don't confuse that with the ADDL. <laughs> no. DTMF. Totally different. They're, they're like, you know, they, that's the people who hate the DTMF. <laughs> the DTMF doesn't hate anybody because it's a technology. And uh, so now you've got this touch tone service and it becomes the worldwide standard for telecommunications and signaling which phone number and I read that they took 15 tries for them to come up with the orientation of the numbers. You're kidding me. 15, no, 15 how, tries. How can there be 15 different? <laughs> I don't know. I think there was like circle and, you know, and zero was actually in the line. Like, you know, it was like two long lines and then it was like, you know. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's basically a, a little three by three grid. With a zero. 
with a zero. Hanging off the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. 15 attempts to make that. I want to see these 15 attempts. I, I want to see what they people tried and why they didn't like it. I, I, I know. I don't know. But I just thought that was interesting to think that, you know, a bunch of scientists <laughs> sitting there <laughs> making these little buttons and being like handing it to people yeah. saying, okay, dial this number. Yeah. And they're just like, uh. <laughs> and a bunch of scientists, are like, so they finally get their grid. They get a, they get a three by four grid of buttons, but they only have... 10 digits instead of 12 so they got two empty spaces so like what are we going to do with the extra spaces and hashtag was, was it called the hashtag no it was like somebody's like tic-tac-toe let's put that in there yes. and somebody's like i like stars let's do asterisk. it asterisk let's just fill it up i'm tired i want to go home let's just finish this we've already done 15 different combinations well in the early phones there were no there was still no uh number sign or, or asterisk in the earliest phones oh that didn't even exist no they were just blanks they were empty it, zero <laughs> hung up by itself on the bottom it was just hanging out there yeah yep yeah. okay all right so they, they came later so so the technological advancement that came later was the hashtag you had to come up with more tones okay all right Fair more enough. dual tones excellent uh, so uh, so now that's in the 1960s, but um, they're, they're still kind of fancy, right? So believe it or not, it wasn't until the 80s that the majority of the houses in the country had these touchdown phones. And I believe it. You know why? You had a, you had a rotary phone. No, my grandfather had a rotary phone. Okay. So, and honestly, when I needed to dial a phone number, I had to draw little buttons on a piece of paper once because I didn't really necessarily remember the numbers. I just oh. remembered the pattern that I would move my finger oh, really? on a touch tone. So when I was at my grandfather's house, I was like, oh, I need to call this. And I'd be like, I have no idea how to dial that because the number and the pattern were like blended together in my head. So okay. I have to draw a picture and be like, okay. And then you know, shh, 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 how does shh, your mind work? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're thinking about it that. all depends on which voice is talking. And then you just get some <laughs> random person on the other end of which voice is talking. Okay. Which Scott is here today? Exactly. Okay. Perfect. Uh, yeah, well, I believe it too, because we had a rotary phone up until probably, probably the eighties. But if you remember, even when you got the touch tones, if you went and bought those cheesy little, you know, quote, cheap ones that were like $30, they oh, always yeah. had that button that was like tone. Or switch oh, it over to pulse. That's right. Right. That's right. So it would pretend to make the the noise <laughs> for pulse. The princess. Because if you wanted to go in the early days of this touch tone stuff, or at least in the seventies, you pay more if you want to touch tone. Oh. Pulse was cheaper. There you go. Because it took longer. Everything's about money. All right. So now let's talk about taking things, things that take a long time. Nineteen sixty-five. Now dial in these phone numbers. People are getting frustrated. You got to dial 10 numbers. If you're doing the rotary method, long time. Even if you're doing the touch tone method, it takes a very long time. But if you have a touch tone phone and you just want to dial quickly, there's a new function available for you in 1965, and that's called speed dial. But it had nothing to do with the phone. What? No. The phones weren't smart. <clears throat> the phones knew how to make a tone. Right. right, and they they knew how for every number you remembered and pushed, it you know it would dial the tones, dual tone, but the speed dial function was something you had to buy from the phone company. This is an extra thing. Yeah, so you would say like, oh, I'm going to dial like, you know, maybe the star two or something or whatever, and that would tell the phone company, oh, you want to dial this speed number, and then yeah. they would dial, dial my it wife, for dial you. My grandfather. Yeah, so they would dial it for you. Oh. 
So they would just kind of like jump in. The phone didn't do it. No. You signaled with your phone back to the phone company. And then they would do it for you. Seems like that would take longer. You would think. (laughs) (laughs) And it also cost you more money. And it cost you more money. So that, again, is the reason why you remembered phone numbers, because it was still your your gray matter was cheaper. All right. So now we're getting into, okay, it's hard to memorize all these phone numbers. And I'm getting into this thing called speed dial. So I don't even need to remember my grandfather's phone number. I just need to remember star two. Yeah. But again, that's still pretty rare because you had to pay money, extra money for that. So, you know, your rich and famous people were doing that. It was a whole extra $5 a month, you know? (laughs) That's a lot of money. It was back then. But then when you go to about 1968, an invention comes out that will eventually revolutionize the way we use phones to talk to people. It's going to revolutionize the world. Yes. As we know it. Yes. Because it's in 1968, Terry Paul, she invented a cordless phone. Cordless phone. Cordless phone. No, no cords. You just walk around. Walk around. And you probably, you know, had to fill your pockets with batteries for the whole three minutes you got to use it or something. Inside your house, right? Yeah. Well, she said she had it for two miles. A two-mile range? Yeah, which, really? you know, apparently killed televisions and other things around. So they were trying to still perfect this technology. Okay. So it's a cordless phone, two miles around from your house. You could just be walking around talking right. to So it was her invention. She came up with it. She got the patent, I think. Terry Paul. But, but she sells it off to other people to start working on it, making it commercially viable. Okay. Yeah, respectable. Got to cash in. Yeah. So basically, you know, and that's taken us through from the 60s, and now we're going into the 70s, which... From a technological perspective, there's not a whole lot going on there. You still got the touch tones. Phones are becoming more f- prolific. Houses are now having not just one, but two, two phones. three, four phones. All right. You know, you could have a phone in your bedroom. Amazing. Or you'd have the phone in the kitchen with the six-mile cord, <laughs> right? You would, you would pick up the phone, and you could wander around your house with this cord and, you know, you'd be wrapping it around the cat. You'd be wrapping it around whatever just to stay, keep talking. Getting all tangled up. You'd bring that thing back to the phone to try to hang it up. But the whole thing boiled down to the fact that really technologically, we've now are increasing the amount of tones we're, you know, tone phones we're getting and um, just how many phones are starting to show up and, and how many phone lines are showing up. Right. And we're beginning to squeeze out of our area codes. Oh, man. Now what? Make more area codes. More area codes. More numbers. Stuff for me to remember. I just... Where, where are we now? We're in the... Well, we're, we're beginning to go 80s? into the 80s. Now, now I'm getting interested. The 80s. Yes. Okay. Now I can I can actually remember the 80s. You know what? And I, can, I bet you there's a phone number you remember. There is. I bet you... Definitely. I, you know what? I bet you know Jenny's number. Jenny? I do know Jenny's number. What was Jenny's number? Am I, am I allowed to, to, to sing it or are we going to? Yeah. All right. Eight six seven five three zero nine. Thank you. So Tommy Two-Tone. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Tommy Two-Tone, for the phone number that will live in infamy. Ooh. Jenny Jenny, eight six seven five three zero nine, which... Yeah, true enough, which, by the way, is what is on my house gnome uh, thing outside. 
That's the phone number that's on that? Well, instead of putting my house number on by the garage door, I have that gnome there. If you, if you look <laughs> at the number on there, it's actually 8675309. Classic. Yeah. And it's not from this podcast. It's been there like there for years. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I always want to know if anybody's noticed it. So that was 1981 where um, Tommy Tutone uh, sang a song that was written by Alex Call and Alex Call. Go figure. Oh. And uh, Jim Kepler or Keller uh, on Columbia Records. So... And it was it was actually on the charts. It was a Billboard Hot. Oh, I still hear it. Yeah, it was written down in so many places, all over the place, doors everywhere. Yep, yep. But eighties were not just about eight six seven five three zero nine and seeing Jenny. Nope. It was about expanding our phones, and that finally that that glorious moment where you didn't have to have that six mile cord came about because now. Cordless phones are starting to become the rage. All right, so this invention from the 60s from Terry Paul are now things that we can use in our house. Yes, 1.7 megahertz phones. All right. Which, if you know frequencies, megahertz is like amp, which means that anytime you walk near anything electronic, you would just... (laughs) (laughs) Turn on the vacuum cleaner? It was, it was, you go by the, you know, if you went by, you know, anything electronic whatsoever, it was just humming along <laughs> and it didn't penetrate very well but it was the beginning and eventually you know so these phones would get better and better 900 megahertz you remember when that was the big rage i do and then eventually they would move into the gigahertz, uh, gigahertz range gigahertz. until they started affecting wi-fi and then <laughs> <laughs> let's stop with the gigahertz <laughs> then they moved it again this is our internet you're messing with exactly but that's a different podcast <laughs> All right, so we're in the 80s. We got cordless phones, but we still have these big, long numbers. Yes, but you still had to remember numbers. Why'd you have to remember numbers? I mean, you have your speed dial. Well, not many people had a speed dial. But but if you remember, in the 80s, if you wanted to get a hold of me, you know, when I was out of high school and you wanted to get a hold of me, how'd you get a hold of me? You had to hit me with my beeper. That's right. I had to page you. Yes, beep me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We were close to it back then. Yeah, so that, we wore these things on our belt. Little tiny devices. Little, little things. And then they would beep, and you'd look at the little box on your belt. And, and you'd see have, a phone number. Have a phone number. Only a number. And it was... It Nothing didn't, else. Didn't, didn't have any letters. You it couldn't was, reply back. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't do anything. It was just like, this person is trying to reach you, but you had no idea who that person was unless... You memorized the number. Exactly. Yes. And and even more difficult was trying to reach that person because it's not like there were cell phones. Not yes, really. Right. You had to go find a payphone. A payphone? Which was a phone you had to put money into. <laughs> really? So, right? You had to go I find yourself. You had to use your payphone. Oh, my gosh. I haven't seen a payphone in forever. Yeah. They're still around here and there. You know, yeah. The occasional like truck like stop. museum or someplace. <laughs> so. Payphones. Yes. But, you know, com- these phones were getting more complex now in the 80s because they were these weird concepts, these devices that were coming out called... Um, that people were getting a hold of. They were called personal computers, I think. Personal computers. I had a TI-99-4A home computer. So did I, with a speech synthesizer. <laughs> but but what's, what's key here is computing and computing chips are becoming now really something uh, the average person can have. And in fact, you can embed them into devices for very specific purposes at a much cheaper thing. If you remember in the late 70s, you know, 
a digital calculator was very expensive and yep. it didn't know how to do square root. <laughs> I mean, it was like I could add and subtract and do this. Good. Nowadays, you, you're starting to get those real scientific calculators. They're not very expensive for like no. $60. Yeah. You could get a scientific calculator. I bought a spell check device where you could type in a name, put in a word and it would check your spelling. And that was $200 well spent for my grades at the time. Wow. But, but it was this device that was, you know, it had the chips in the memory. That's amazing. It was. But $200. We still have it, but it still works. But what I can tell you is because these chips are becoming more, you know, integrated into devices, somebody came up with the brilliant idea of, hey, let's put these chips into phones. So now these phones have computer chips. And since they have a computer chip, what can you ask them to remember? Their phone numbers. They have memory inside the phone now. So you don't need to use your own memory. You could auto dial. Use the auto dial, use the memory in the phone. And this is the beginning of the end of when we used to know phone numbers. Right. So so if, I don't know your phone, but my first phone with the auto dial, you had the phone receiver and the touch tone on the bottom. But on the top, there was like this big label with like 10 slots that you would handwrite in there. Like <laughs> yes. number one was yes. grandma. Number two was, you know, you know, some cousin. Number three was your neighbor. And so you'd pick up the phone and you would press the oil dial button and you'd press one. And, or if you had a fancy one, there was a button next to each name and you'd press it and then you'd hear the do, 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 do. I do remember. So you didn't have to remember the numbers anymore as long as you were with that phone. Yep, that phone is your address book now. As soon as you left that phone, you were back to your square matter. one. Yeah. You are, you are starting over. But that was really the beginning where, you know, at least when you were in the house, you didn't have to remember everything you were doing. Right. And now we're, we've, we've got these, these phones. They get smarter. They get faster. They get cheaper. Then they get more expensive and they get smarter. And then... They can do more things, and they can hold more, and they can you can now uh, connect with uh, other sources where they can find numbers for you, and you don't even have to worry about any phone number, any place, anywhere. Just let your phone take care of it. So all those phone numbers that you used to have to store up in your brain, gone. And, and really, you can start truly playing taps for remembering phone numbers in 1992. 92. 92 is, at least from my perspective, was when people really started getting cell phones. Yep, that's about the right time. Because now the problem with the phone that had the auto dial was that it was only with you at home. You still had to remember the number. Mm -hmm. Of course, now if you have a cell phone which we're talking about like those really old ones that had like, you know, superpower and the battery would last like 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the giant antenna. chunk of a phone. You know, and, and I'm particularly thinking about some of the Nokia phones. That's when things really started exploding because their phones were inexpensive. They were... Yeah. Mass they, market. Everybody could get one. You could get one pretty simply. You know, the average Joe or Joanne could actually go out and buy a... Nokia phone with a plan that wasn't going to kill them. Yep, I had one. And you would have a phone with you whenever you needed to go anywhere. And more importantly, they had memory chips where they can remember your address book. Yep, it's all in there. So no, now you don't have to remember it. And that was basically the beginning of the very end because if you just fast forward to today... I don't know anything. The numbers are all in your smartphone, whichever you know flavor you have. 
if you even use phone numbers anymore. Yeah. Typically, you just text a name that's sitting there. And some people don't even have phone numbers anymore. They just have email addresses that are connected to their texting. Right. I don't even have to physically dial anything or try to auto dial. I just tell my phone, phone, call wife. Yes. And it, and it dials. Yep. It's amazing. Exactly. So I have a, one interesting stat from 2012 about phone numbers. Give me, give me an interesting stat from 2012. That there was a, in 2012, there was about 700 to 800 million phone numbers in play. 800 million. That was 2012. Wow. And also, no one really knows the exact count because phone companies don't have to release that information. All right, but we got to be at like a billion by now, right? Yeah, and you also know that these com- some companies buy whole blocks now, and they don't mm. use all the numbers, and okay. you know, so so still, it's a lot. It's a lot, exactly. I also learned a few things about some things like uh, emergency numbers that I thought was kind of neat. Like, what's what do you call now if you have an emergency? Emergency nine one one. Exactly. Do you know what you used to call? Uh, uh, no, I used to, I used to yell for my parents. <laughs> well, I mean, we were taught call the operator. Call the, that's right. Dial zero. Dial zero. That's right. Right. And then the operator and you'd be, you know, frantically yelling at the operator. I don't know who you are, <laughs> where I am, but get me help now. And the operator would have to figure it out for you. They say that some people actually were ta- taught to dial the word fire. Three, four, seven, three. Oh, oh, so you'd actually, you'd actually Dial the the letters. Yeah, fire. instead of Klondike, it's fire. You just spell fire. <laughs> and you like get, help. F I R E. Yes. I have a fire. Yeah. All right. Hopefully, you don't get a burglary. <laughs> Bur- burglary. <laughs> oh no! It is. It is a hurricane. Uh, 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 uh. Stupid long word. And if you have a rotary, you're really in trouble. Burglary. <laughs> <laughs> and and the thing about nine one one was that it was actually first known as nine eleven. Oh, okay. And That's, then it was 911. Yeah, it became 911 to avoid confusion with people wasting precious time looking for the 11 button. Oh, people would look. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like the joke about the any ah, key, right? Oh, really? Yeah, but people would look for the 11 button. It was like, I, there's no 11. There's a tic tac toe. I can't get help. And there's a star, but there's no 11. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. So they started using 911. And by the way, in Europe, you use 112, although usually 999 works in UK. If you're ever traveling abroad. 999. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. So, um, but that's something interesting about emergency numbers. I like that. Yeah. Do you have anything? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you know how I, I was fixated on this Klondike uh, mnemonic uh, way of remembering the numbers. Well, uh, it turns out that uh, th- that special um, exchange of KL for Klondike was, uh, was generated as a fictional exchange because... They needed something that they could have in in television and movies. In fact, it was used in movies. I think All I the remember. Time. Yeah, like I remember watching I some old classic yeah. movie with Klondike. You yeah, know. It'd be like Humphrey Bogart saying, yeah. "Let me call call Klondike seven seven five. Exactly. So they made that up as a phone number to nothing, so that they could have it in the movies. So when people who watch the movies who were a little crazy off the rocker tried to call that number, it wouldn't work. So it just turns out that KL is 5-5, and nowadays in our TV and, and movies, the fictional number that you always hear about is 555-something-something-something. Five, 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 five. So it's 555. 
Well, I just thought that they just made that up, but no. It's Klondike. It's Klondike. It's from, It's Klondike 5. It's, it's just that they took that from the old 1940s movies and, and played like, it well, forward. Now it's 555. That's amazing. That's awesome. Wow. All that's right. awesome. And I don't think I have anything else. No, I think uh, I think that's a, a good way to end on a on a little bit of a mind-blowing note. And uh, I just uh, had a great time talking with you about this today. Yeah, so uh, again, we used to know that we have to remember phone numbers. Nowadays, we don't remember any phone numbers remember, right, except right. for the ones we grew up with. And uh, But one thing we do remember is to say thank you to everyone who's listening. Thanks again for listening to us. We appreciate it. Um, you know, tell your friends and, you know, to come look for us wherever they get their podcast fix. And um, have a great day. And thanks again for listening. All right. Thanks, everybody.